0: Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. Frank here. Mike is still on hiatus working at Mile High. I'm going to link up with Mike over the weekend and we're going to knock out some big talks. So we we got a couple things that we're going to discuss that'll take the two of us. So in the meantime, I'm giving you some knowledge bombs here and, and just throwing this stuff out. Uh, I'm on, on Sniper's Hide every day and I'm reading all these questions and all this discussions coming up and you know, different debates. One of them, uh, that, that happened over the last couple of days. And it's this whole G1 versus G7 crap. Um, kind of getting a little tired of it. Um, you know, everybody reads, well, you have to do it this way. G7 models this the right... Yeah, it depends on your software. You know, it, it, if you take the purest form of the curves, yes, that is what happens. However, if you look at, like, what Hornaday's done with their Doppler testing. Neither curve lines up correctly. That's why their new Fordoff software doesn't even use a BC. It uses a form factor. Because when you're trying to bend curves and manipulate them to fit your software in a certain way, it, it, it's a slinky, man. You got you got muzzle velocity in one hand. You got BC in the other. You start playing with one or the other. One rises, the other falls. You need to balance back up. The other rises, the other falls. And we're doing this whole left hand, right hand up, down, slinky action. It, it It's a terrible way of doing business. It's a shortcut. It is a half-assed way to go about getting you something that'll work, you know, inside a thousand yards. And let me tell you this, they all work inside a thousand yards. I don't care whose software you're using. Stop pretending like one's better than the other. of them out there use the same engine underneath. There's nothing different other than the UI and then the individual tweaks that the developer puts in there. There is other ways to skin this cat. Stop pretending like, you know, using G7 is the 2 plus 2 equals 4. There is other ways to get to 4. We all know that, you know, it's 1 plus 3, it's 0 plus 4, it's 5 minus 1. We all can get to 4 in a variety of ways. So to say 2 plus 2 is the only way to get to 4 is a ridiculous statement. They've been shooting G7 since 1940. It was first shot and modeled in 1940. The software you were using was written in the 50s. Okay, Since that time, people have come up with other ways of skinning that cat. The fact that the developers still go back to the 1950s software, and just to give you a little FYI, Hornaday's is probably the newest that's hit the market in the last year. Their software is from 1966, so army freeware, point mass, blah, 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 all that stuff, there's other ways of doing it. To sit there and definitively state that you have to use G7 is false. I barely ever use it. I'm only using it if I'm using applied ballistics in my Kestrel. With everything else I'm using, I'm defaulting to G1 most of the time. And if you watched any of my videos, if you watched any of the results of me at competition, I don't have a hard time hitting stuff. I graduated sniper school without using any of this data. We used G1 back then. The thing is, we didn't have software, so we just used it for the win stuff. Uh, Guy didn't realize today that the first number of G1 you can look at with mills and with your software will give you a win call. It's a rule of thumb and will get you started. That first number of the G1 BC, the 4, I should say 0.4, 0.5, 0.6, 0.7 is a miles per hour. That will get you 0.1 at 100, 0.2 at 2, 0.3 at 3, 0.4 at 4 in terms of a win call. Now it's a rule of thumb and you know, it's meant to work in a certain velocity spread from that 2800 to um, the, you know, the, the 3000, but it does work with your 308 at 2600. It does get you on target. It is a way to help you find a starting point and to learn about the wind. That's why we used it for so long. G7, I mean, these are just numbers used to kind of plug into the software to tell it what the drag is for me. Field firing solution, cold bore 1.0 from Patagonia, and Tresol aren't G-dependent. It doesn't matter what value you put. These pieces of software recognize the limitation that works both ways and adjust for it. You got software with 250 lines of code, which gets you good enough and does all these things. That's what you guys are using versus software with 18,000 lines of code that's fixing these problems that we recognize as being an issue. You can go out there and get this software and it will work without having to overly true something. If you're truing your muzzle velocity to the tune of 100 feet per second, it's not going to work when you travel around. You're going to have to retrue it. That's too much, too big. Why are we taking known valid data? That might only have a 5 to 10 foot per second swing in, in error factor in manipulating it by a hunter. Bad way of doing business. But for the developer, it's easy. It's a shortcut. It's a way of them to put something out there and, and to, to make some money. And they're not making a lot of money. I get that. But it's a way of doing this without them putting in a lot of effort. You know, these, these are uploaded. They're fire and forget. They update them once every six months. It's easy money, man. It, it's just... it, But this stuff has been around for a hundred of years. You know what I mean? It's been there for a long, long time. We're, we're, we're going back to the beginning of what we're doing. And we've learned a thing or two since then. You know, we got better technology now. We got, you know, our, our chronographs we're using are better. Like the lab radar with personal Doppler. Never had that before. So when the sky screens weren't working and things weren't great, you know... You you would take that number and say, well, it's probably off a little bit. Cloud went over, cloud didn't. This happened, then they got IR and we started using IR screens. And now we're using the Doppler and we're using the sound and the magnetic waves and all these different things. Things have progressed. How we're solving the problem has not. And when they have, they just don't have as big a marketing reach as some of the other guys who are using this older stuff. Like I said, Everything's designed to work within that 1,000 yards. It's when you go beyond that you run into a problem. All these BCs are velocity dependent. So if you start manipulating the velocity, well, you have to start manipulating your BC. You should true your BC by shooting it out to distance, recording the information you got, and then true in the BC before you start manipulating your velocity. You know what the velocity is. You know what your drop is. That stuff's all going to line up. I use in Field Firing Solution a a velocity calculator. And, you know, as well, you should be kind of looking at what Hornaday and Coldborn, those guys are doing for your true range zero. This is the stuff that's going to matter in a bigger way. I've posted until I'm blue in the face the Hornaday numbers in data, in screenshots and captures. I went to Hornaday and I spent a day, just learning about software and the different things that they do and how they're attacking the problem today, where they got their data from, what ranges they use, like Spark range data. I mean, when you look at a Spark range image from them, they have the pins in the back of the bullet. So you're looking at orientation. They're not using a flat rate. They're using a number that they actually recorded. Yes, they have to put it in a certain way and our software can't manipulate it. You know, that's what Lapua is doing. Lapua uses this same Doppler data and information and they're using, you know, 6 and their free um, software. They're doing it in a different way and you're getting different numbers. And people are wondering, why am I getting different numbers? Well, we're shooting a system. You're part of that system. The shooter is the biggest manipulator. Wind is another manipulator. Wind is affecting the orientation of the bullet. If the bullet isn't going the way it's supposed to go because of wind, you could be affecting your BC. You know, there's all these variables. Your twist, your powder. I mean, I have slides for days because Hornaday went and shot it with different muzzle brakes, and they Dopplered it. Guess what? There was a variation. Different powders. Guess what? There was a variation. I mean... They Different barrel twists, different this, different that. There's got to be at least 10 slides where they put in a variable from powder to twist to muzzle brake, and it changed the signature of that Doppler track, okay? So to say your G7 is the holy grail of this will solve my problems is wrong. I go to G1 first. I turn all the spin drift and Coriolis and all that crap up off first, Then I try it. I try it with G7. I try it with G1. I have the luxury that my range goes out to a mile. I can work in that transonic area for a lot of these rounds. They want you to true this stuff in transonic, and most of you guys don't even have access to transonic. How are you going to true your stuff correctly or say you're doing something to its maximum capability, and then you're going to go online? And you're gonna you're you're gonna shout from the rafters that you have to use this because you read in a book that G7 is the model that fits. Yeah, it fits closer, but it doesn't fit exactly right, and it doesn't line up correctly. And especially when you start moving muzzle velocities and things, and you're bending curves in an unnatural way. Look at where the data points are that they recorded this. A lot of this information you're getting is based off of subloads. It's a 300 yard range. They reduce the load on the bullet, they shoot it subsonic, and then they extrapolate from there to out to the further distance. That's not how bullets fly. That's not how these things work. And the bitch is, yes, they, they will get you on paper. They will get you where you need to be within a, a certain amount. And, you know, that's good enough for a lot of people. That doesn't make it the only way to get to four. There's other ways of getting to four. Just because we're doing it one way doesn't mean you can't do it another. Because, you know, if if the loudest megaphone is shouting G7, that doesn't mean G1, which we've used for the last 80-plus years, won't work. We used it for the last 80-plus years for a reason. It works, okay? You can get away with it. It's a good one number. But that one number is still limited. When you shoot from here to 1,000 yards, we use three wind zones, Okay, There's three steps. What Sierra's doing, banding BCs, they still use G1 at Sierra, but they band it. They give you a velocity spread. From 2800 to this speed, it's going to be this BC. From 2000 to this, it's going to be another BC. And from 1000 to subsonic, it's going to be another BC. That's a much better way, and that's kind of like what a custom curve does. That's a much better way of attacking the problem. If you want to be smart, if you want to do things and claim you have a better way of attacking this problem, ban your BCs. Use your software that way where you put in multiple BCs in a velocity range that will track how that bullet's actually going to fly and how that bullet is actually going to slow down. What we're using with this G1 versus G7 is one number, and saying that one number is a good approximation across its entire flight path—that's not how it works. I mean, yes, we can get away with it because, as I've said over and over again, back in the old days when all this stuff was coming out, four to seven hundred yards was long range. This arbitrary number of a thousand yards that we use came about in the fifties with competition and things like that—forties, fifties, sixties—and things like you know. But when they were testing all this stuff, when they were talking about it, you had two choices. You had artillery, which were not shooting artillery, and you had rifle fire. Rifle fire was what we would consider medium to short range versus what we consider the long to ELR ranges today. So go out there and tune the BC for your rifle system. Capture all the data you can. Then go back and look at your muzzle velocity, and you'll find your tweaks might be that much smaller. Uh, you know, software is a big, big thing, and I'm really going to need a lot of notes. I, I'm going to need Mike to kind of keep me straight and level with this. But it's not, uh, you know, it, there's some errors that they, they'll let get away with, and they know that it's a small error. At the same time, there's some additions that they're giving you, sort of like the Spindrift stuff, where they figure one m away at a certain time of flight, and then they manipulate it based on your bullet's time of flight. That's not quite how it works, but they know it's not gonna hurt you, and it's probably going to help you if you need it. For all you right-handed shooters out there who who probably never took a class and are self-taught, aren't following through and are terrible on your trigger control, you, you know, it's probably helping you with that little bit of right-handed trigger control issues. You know, it it's it's Coriolis goes to the right. Spin drift goes to the right, Right right-handed shooters with poor trigger control pull to the right, and they're adding all these things up, and it's making a noticeable difference. So if we give you a minute, we're going to take some of that out of there instead of actually addressing the problem in in a meaningful way. Instead, it's a shortcut to say, you know what, 75% of the people out there are going to see a difference when they add this minute in, that's good enough for us. And and I don't fault them for that. Don't take me as being, you know, looking down at them, but understand there is a better way to attack this problem. And there are some people out there who are attacking it. Well, you know, one of the ones that I always reference is Dr. Pestia there and his books on this, which predated anything you're reading today. He addressed it and said, well, this was good enough, but not good enough for today and his stuff started in the 80s when he was writing this he was a bomber pilot world war ii became a ballistician became a uh, you know part of the government and different things and then a doctor and and he wrote books on shooting on ballistics and he kind of said well we could be fixing these problems in the following ways which is where your field firing solution gets their software from Colbor is a variant of it. When he was alive, Gus used to talk to uh Dr. Arthur there. You know, so these guys were aware of these competing philosophies and not defaulting to McCoy. What we're reading today is just a variant of McCoy, and, and that's it. But that's not the only voice on this topic. And that's kind of where I come in. I, I I um I you know I don't agree with everything. I agree with a lot of it in a lot of ways. I just feel there needs to be a caveat put out there. You know, these, these ballistic books that these guys are reading need to be written in the style of for dummies. They need to have a bomb with a caveat that says, you know, I'm telling you what makes up the number four. There's this many factors that go into this number four. And if we break it down, you're going to see a little of this, a little of that, a little of the other thing what I tend to see people with their kind of in in, in their poor comprehension of the subject is they'll get a number and they'll say, I need eight mils to hit a thousand yards. And then they start adding things on top of it because they say they got to add spin drift, Coriolis and all, you know, aerodynamic jump. Meanwhile, it's all in there already. If you just drop down, shoot, fine tune, write your number down, guess what you just did? You added in all that stuff. Eight is the answer. It's not eight plus S-D-C-E-A-J. S-D-C-E-A-J is already in there. All we're doing is saying that that eight is is comprised of these different elements. So when you're trying to guess how to get to eight, you know, it's telling you, well, you got to add these things in because it's part of eight. But if you just go out and shoot it, true your computer up to it and and do that first, you already included everything. Turn all that junk off. You know what I mean? It, it's not right anyway. And it, it swings with these different things we're shooting. If you go out and say my 200 yard dope is point three, my 300 yard dope is point eight, point nine. 400 is 1.5, whatever, 1.8. 500 is 2.4. That includes everything. That's the right answer. Now take all that numbers back and then bring it to your software and true your software under those conditions. You can turn everything else off because you already included it. Put a watermark on your steel, shoot on paper, measure the difference, measure your true range zero. Your predictions will be golden Because you have everything in there without a doubt. And the software will say, this is valid data. This is what's conditions. I can extrapolate from there. But if you're taking valid data, you're manipulating, twisting, moving things around, and then asking the computer to guess when your conditions change by a big swing, they're going to be off. Because you're adding in all these errors on top of it instead of saying, give me factual data. Give me that and make the computer line up to that. Your software has to line up to your actual shots on target. If you haven't shot it on target, don't waste your time playing with the software. Shoot it first, then fine tune it on the target, record that information, and then match the computer up. Now, if you don't know what you're doing and you're not sure how to get to a certain point, you can do what I call tri-dope. You can put a basic information in. You can use a generic set of numbers. But understand, as soon as you get to the range and you fire the first shot, you're throwing that number away. You don't need it anymore. Then you're going to record your actual dope and then line the computer up with that. Tri-dope should not be confused with verified dope on on target. I mean, that's why I did the Sheets for Impact Data book. And I know there, people are saying they're not on the um, website yet. They will be. Tony just sent them to me on Monday. Uh, I'm sure it's going to take them a day or two for his team to put them up on the website, but they'll be there. But the thing is, I don't go out on the range with software to start. You know, with new stuff, I might print a JBM. But like I said, as soon as I kind of get where I need to go, I throw it away. But here, here's the thing. After 300 yards... You know, four M away, three point five mil one mil per hundred yard with a three oh eight will get you on target. Every hundred yards between three hundred and roughly eight, nine hundred yards, depending on your location in the rifle, you can add the hundred yard line using one mil. One mil more will get you close. One mil more will get you close. Four m away. Add four m away on, it'll get you close. If you're shooting a six five or something like that, you drop it down to three quarter. Three M away, three quarter mil, that'll get you close. That'll get you that tri-dope on steel. And I use that all the time. I, I actually have a video out there demonstrating it. I don't know. I'll get something new. I won't have an exact number yet or, or anything like that, although I, I've memorized quite a bit. But I'll, I'll just shoot my two, shoot my three, then add a mil, add a mil, add a mil, fine tune, add a mil, add a mil, fine tune. And I'll just do that. It, it's not that big of a deal. So, you know, don't get wrapped around the axle with this software in the G1 versus G7. G1 might work better. It, it, it's just the way this software is designed to manipulate the, the numbers. And especially if you're using your AB, your Ballistics AE, your Shooter, your, your Dot, your whatever. If you're using any of those apps, trust me, their engine underneath is the same. You're not doing anything different in one versus the other. It's just how they sort of give you that interface and how they mix and match a few uh, extras that they put in. But the software is really not designed to 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 do more. I mean, your your, your Hornaday Fordoff is going to be a little bit better. Your Trace is going to be a little better. Um, I get it with them in support, but Trace does have a different engine than these other guys. That's why so many people were saying. I just put in my factual data I pulled off my chronograph and the BC out of the book and Traceal works because it's a lot more robust under the hood because cold and trace and things, you know, and those kind of uh pieces of software know where the bullet was before the point in space you're trying to figure out and after. These other softwares, there is no bullet in that calculation. It doesn't, it exists without fact of knowing a bullet. All it knows is what you tell it. All it knows is that little microsecond in space you're asking about. It doesn't know where that bullet was a half a second before or a half a second after. It only knows that point in space. And, and like I said, I have all this data. I have the PowerPoints I've been posting all over Sniper's Hide. And, you know, I spent three days with Hornaday, with Dave Emery, you know, their ballistician who recently retired, That guy's a whiz in this stuff, man. He's been doing it a long time. He was with the Air Force and the military. You know what I mean? He ran Doppler and missiles and bombs and things for them. These guys are smart, man. And and, and they don't all agree. And that's something people haven't quite wrapped their head around is that there is no agreement on what's the best way to attack this. To me, the best way to attack it is what works for you in the field, and I get it, you know, you can whip out a, a $9 piece of software on your phone and it works. It's designed to work. Inside a 1,000, it'll all work. But what we find with a lot of guys, especially us that are shooting beyond a 1,000, we've got to make two tracks. We've got to have an inside a 1,000 track and an outside a 1,000 track. We have to manipulate and adjust to get the accuracy because a single number is just not that solution we're looking for we get where our stuff is too good we're shooting too far we're we're becoming way too accurate i mean just look at the f class guys they had to shrink their x ring you know to a half moa and 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 that's kind of a recent development we're getting that much better so uh, all we're asking for when i'm complaining is that my software start matching the accuracy potential of our systems and 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 so uh, you know Don't don't take me wrong when I rant and I kind of go on with this stuff. It's not meant to attack the individual. It's not meant to attack one person. It's just to say, we both know we could be doing a better job at this, and that's what I'm asking to see. You know, the biggest factor with this stuff is you gotta true the wind up. The wind's not right. Wind's never right with a lot of this stuff. I mean, I I've run into some pretty complicated wind scenarios here in the mountains of Colorado. I have a shooting spot in Pike National Forest. The, the standing there, I'm at 9,000 feet. I mean, in October, my DA is like twelve to 14,000. It's got this, you know, valley you're driving in. It's got all these little pieces coming in and out. You know, the wind can come whipping through there. And the only way I've been able to manage the wind correctly, you know, after that first shot, is to use the three wind zones and manipulate things from a three wind zone standpoint. A single wind zone won't in any way, shape or form solve the problem with known data. It just won't work. And you know, with you running into complex wind situations, that single wind number is not going to help. it will get you close where hopefully you can see the miss and correct for it, you know, and, and, in the military and growing up uh you know teaching classes that was the true measure of a sniper of a marksman you know it's unrealistic to think i can snatch you out of wherever you are take you halfway around the world drop you somewhere whether it's a side of a mountain in some place, you know in a desert in a jungle whatever the case is and say okay here's the situation man you got a 308 175 We're going to drop you in this situation. You got to make or break a first shot hit at 800 yards, not knowing anything other than where I dropped you. And that's not a realistic scenario. It is a realistic situation to put someone into, but to say you have to have a first round hit is pushing it. The true measure of the sniper is that correction. Can he correct on the fly and get that second round hit? Can he put that round on target by gauging this the, the the situation, by gauging the wind and gauging this result of his impact and make the correction? If you can't correct in that, that's when they start to say, no, nah, we need another guy or we need a better trained guy. You know, yeah, you can get a bigger, bigger bullet. You can do all kinds of different stuff and, and then you can go and move to get that first round hit. But, you know, if you're limited by your round and what you have and, and there's some guy causing some hate down there that you need to sh- shut off, you need to understand your surroundings under time, under things. You can't be pulling out calculators and doing longhand math. You can't be, you know, playing uh, games on your phone. And Heck, if you're sitting there for four, five, six hours in the sun, you're not going to have your phone laying out. And then by the time you fire it up, get your number. That's why charts and everything are used. That's why you want hard copy of this stuff. You don't want to default to a device like that unless you can fire it up pretty quick. But you should be able to default to something like a DA card, like a wind chart. I mean, your elevation should be a given under these situations like that. And really, all you should be doing is thinking wind. That's the goal of the guys out there in the field. Don't worry about your elevation. That should be a known quantity. Get me my win call. That that's where you need to fix this situation. I mean, there, there there's so much to talk about with that. And and like I said, I need I need Mike here um to, to bounce off with the uh, Mile High has got such great tools out there for the uh you know the Kestrel and things. And I'm gonna be working with the Kestrel stuff and post it because they have an instructor pack. You know the, the the things we test through them in like the Pawnee match. A lot of times when I'm going there, I mean, I'm going there to have fun, meet with the guys and do all this stuff locally. I'm testing things that, you know, may not be obvious when I'm there. I'm scribbling notes in between stages. I'm writing this stuff down and I'm going back. I'm using this practical application to test, you know, theories, to test software, to test new bullets, to test different things. Hey man, I'm not going to use a 140 this time. I'm going to use a 123. Let me go out and test it. Pawnee is a great thing to do. You know, I know my range pretty well. Getting a little aspect change in a, in, a, in a field situation will tell me how fast I need to access something, what my ability is to manipulate shots on the fly. You know, I can re- recreate these on my own personal range, but one of the problems we have with our own little ranges and we go out by ourselves is. We never set ourselves up to fail. You know, we're never doing something we're going to lose at when we're alone. So by going and saying, what's the match director asking me to do? And can I step up to the plate under his rules? That's where I, I learn more from. And that's why, you know, I love the fact that Mile High is standing behind that Pawnee match and supporting them, you know, uh, that, that's like a big thing with Mike and, 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 you know, what we'll talk about on Saturday and Sunday when him and I get together again, but you know, I use the Kestrel. I, I had in my pocket this last match, I had Cold bore on my phone. Uh, I had a, I have a, a Windows phone cause Cold bore only runs on a Windows phone. So I have one without a SIM card and I use it just, just like a, a, a device with you know, it doesn't connect to the internet unless I'm home on wifi. But I had the Kestrel around my neck too. I'm running the numbers on the Kestrel. I'm comparing it to cold bore. I'm taking the shots and seeing what happens. I'm running the numbers in cold bore. I'm taking the shot, see what happens. I'm comparing it to my Kestrel. I had both in my hand at the same time. I want to see speed-wise how easy it is for me to access and manipulate the the device to to see if I can get the shot off in time. I'm I'm looking at where the auto shutoffs are. And and what do I need to do to get back to that same screen? Not to mention the the results that it gives me. So, you know, don't take this it, it it's criticism in a lot of ways, but it's constructive criticism. It's not personal criticism to guys. Guys take it personal, man. And it's not. It's it's I, I see this stuff, and I just want better for everybody. You know, I don't think that's too much to ask. Uh, you know, density altitude kind of stuff. I use the FDAC cards. They're they're limited in the calibers you can get, but they're an outstanding battery-free way of getting numbers in the field using a field density altitude calculator. Field density altitude calculator. Great little product. You can get them in the Impact Data Books. has some sheets. Guys are talking about density altitude. Density altitude is a great one number to use. I mean, it's rounded. It's not perfect. But when you're in the field and you got to get close, you need to understand that's where the bullet thinks it's flying. So I need to, you know, I need to know that. And if you're not out there getting, you know, heck with the guys in Alaska, every other time you go up there and talk to them, all they want to know is, will it work in minus 20? Will it work in minus 10? Batteries, will they work at such cold temperatures? Well, that's why you want hard copy solutions. That's where I come in That's what I'm advocating because I'm not just trying to sell you on a software. I'm not trying to sell you on a device I'm trying to make you a more well-rounded shooter out there I just want you guys to know that there's more than one way to skin the cat Nobody owns the number four There's a million ways to get to four Okay and if, the more ways you know, the better shooter and the smarter you're going to be when it comes to this. And, you know, when when these things change and they have been changing, we were talking about online that, you know, A.B. had their seminar with the Naval Special Warfare and then some stuff at SHOT Show. They're, they're, they're adjusting how they're looking at their solutions now. So what they told you for the years prior is being changed to a better way to skin that cat. But if you've locked yourselves into having to do it a specific way because you read that book in 2010 and now in 2018 it's slightly different, well, it's going to be harder for you to change. And 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 when people go and give you another way of getting to four, you don't sit there and argue with them that you read something in a book and said, well, you know, the book says I have to do it this way. Yeah, that's one way of doing it. We acknowledge that's one way of doing it. Um you know, that's kind of what I'm getting at, man. Understand this for like Mike, me, even everybody at work's at my high. We're fans of this stuff. I'm a fan first. You know, I'm an influencer later. And, and so that's one of the things, you know, uh, that's one of the things I, I want people to understand that. As as many people have said, I'm passionate about this. And and I don't want somebody driven down a one-way street when there's five other options that might get you there. And that, you know, option three might be best for you. Your buddy might like option two. You know, everybody else on the internet likes option one. But, you know, it's it's definitely you have to understand there's options out there. And that's what I'm trying to tell you is that we were you know I've been I went to sniper school in 1986 it's a long time ago man I've seen all these changes I've I've had my finger on the pulse for quite a long time here Sniper's Heights started in 2000 okay it was it was a threaded board and it was in, you know the way it is today started in 2001 That's 17 18 years of doing this full time you know of of being on the inside talking to people, understanding their positions on all of this. And and I'm not saying any one position is wrong. I'm just saying it's not the only way of doing it. There There's a lot of really good ways of doing stuff out there, but there really isn't any today great ways of doing it. We have varying degrees of better. and And, you know, I'm splitting hairs in a lot of ways. So, you know... Don't take it as I dislike this or dislike that. You know, I may I may dislike the promotion of it or the way it's being marketed, but that doesn't mean I disagree with with the numbers. It's just yeah, that doesn't when it doesn't work for everybody the same way, you have to look at that. You know, when when they said, Well, this is this is settled science, but I'm doing one thing that completely contradicts another person and our hit count's the same. So how does settled science, you know, work two different ways? It's because there's so many variables. We're throwing this in there and you can't just say that's settled science. You have to do it this way. It's like, well, wait a minute. I've been doing it this way and I hit really well. And I found out if I bridge the gap of the two and do it like this now, I'm including that sort of modern spin on an old take. And you know it, it's working out easier for people, and especially if they move around the the, the, the world or the country or you know whatever. So I, I mean that that's all it really comes down to. So you know, I, I'm 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 passionate, but I'm open minded. I I have not closed myself off to any method at all. I guarantee you that something I've criticized. I have every one of those products sitting right here. There I go out and buy it with my own money, you know, I go out and play with it. I have it and I'm and I'm testing it. If it was the better mousetrap, I'm using it. And and a lot of times I find out it's a hybrid. It's a manipulation of two sort of dissimilar theories that if you put them together in a way that works for you, it's pretty successful. Because at the end of the day, I mean, that's what it's about. It it has to work for you. You're the guy that has to repeat it. And what we're looking for is repeatable, predictable, accuracy, and precision. Repeatable, predictable, accuracy, and precision. And how we get there is as diverse as how many people are listening to this right now. Yes, there are some you know varying degrees of better, as I said, and... Some of us can afford the best in in that degree. Others can't. That doesn't mean we can't get the same amount of accuracy and precision out of our personal systems. So that's that's something to think about. So hey, Frank here signing off. Thanks for listening to the Everyday Sniper podcast. Uh, We're going to have Mike back in here. Like I said, he's working his butt off at mile high. But we're, we're we're excited to get them back into, into banter back and forth. I, I kind of need somebody to, to keep me level. <laughs> but uh, I really appreciate you guys listening. The feedback has been great. Snipers hide with the everyday sniper link. Uh, call Mile High and say hello to Mike. And anything you need there. Uh, even the it's funny. I, I was gonna get a, a an um, AE Mark One. Had like twelve of them came in from a, a police buyback, so I had to go on a quick trip. And the next thing you know, I come back and I say, Hey, I need one of those Mark Ones. I'm gonna do a project with it. Gone. All gone. It's like, so if you see something you like over there, make sure you call these guys up. Otherwise, it'll it'll be gone. But the um, my, you know, give call Mike a, a call and say, Hey man, sorry here you had to work. Sucks, but uh, I'll be getting together with them. Again, this has been the Everyday Sniper Podcast. You got Frank from Sniper's Hide here. Shout out to Mike from Mile High Shooting. And thank all of you guys. Enjoy.